and it is a habit I've found hard to shake. I meant the registration number of the vehicle he uses. Once all that is assembled, I'll need three or four days to repair. I'm assuming you can obtain weapons, plastic explosives, timers, and so on. We have already assembled everything you need, Saif al-Islam said. But you will not be making the attack in three or four days. You will attack the base tomorrow night. McGovern frowned. I'll study the intel and mapping, then tell you if that schedule is possible. No, Saif al-Islam said. You will not. I will tell you what is possible, not the other way round. And I'm telling you that you will do it tomorrow night. That is your test. Accept or decline. McGovern glanced around the room at the dozen ISIS men who still stared unblinkingly back at him, each with an M-16 or M-203 slung over their shoulders, and then he spread his hands in a gesture of surrender. Very well. It shall be tomorrow night. Inshallah. He spent the next twenty-four hours studying every scrap of information they could put in front of him. To an untrained eye, the Iraqi army base appeared a daunting target. The outer compound of the sprawling site was surrounded by a barbed wire fence, punctuated by four watchtowers. Each was manned by armed guards, and at intervals between the watchtowers' arc lights illuminated the fence at night. At the heart of the base was an inner compound, with a steel mesh fence topped with coils of razor wire. The outer fence was patrolled by Iraqi guards, but the inner one was guarded by American troops. American and British soldiers both operated from within that compound. Not easy, is it? One of the ISIS soldiers said to McGovern, peering over his shoulder at the surveillance images of the compound he was studying. One of ISIS's British-Asian jihadists, the man had a strong black country accent which sounded utterly incongruous in the heart of the Syrian desert. McGovern turned to him. It's easy if you know how, he said. What? Even though there are two barbed wire fences and all those armed guards to get past, McGovern gave him a cold smile. You're not a trained soldier, are you, my friend? The base may look daunting with all those watchtowers, barbed wire and guards patrolling it. But if you think about it, who will be guarding those fences? It won't be crack troops, will it? And you can be certain they won't be dedicated to the task they've been given. The men on guard duty will be the ones who happen to have pissed off their commanders recently. They won't want to be there either, because it's dark and it's cold, and they'd rather be in bed asleep, or playing Warcraft on their PCs. They'll be staying undercover as much as they can, and because there's a barbed wire fence, they'll be relying on that to keep out intruders. If we fire a rocket into the base, all hell will break loose, of course, but I guarantee that I can be in and out through both those fences without any of the guards hearing a sound or seeing anything but dust blowing over the desert. Just before sunset the following night, once more escorted by four ISIS fighters, 
McGovern climbed into one of their four-by-fours and was driven towards the Iraqi border. The only weapon he carried was a pistol, though he was as effective with that in close-quarters combat as any less well-trained soldier armed with an automatic rifle. He wore a light pack on his back, containing two sophisticated IEDs. A trained demolitions expert in the Special Forces, he had put the devices together himself, moulding the plastic explosive into pieces of right-angled steel section to create devastating shaped charges that would concentrate the force of the blast in one direction. Both devices were triggered by pressure release switches, designed to activate if pressure was placed upon them, or if existing pressure was taken away. He then checked the detonators, tested the firing circuits, and loaded everything into his pack. Night had fallen before they reached the frontier, and they crossed into Iraq without...